gospel of, of God, by, God uses the gospel to change lives, to change his families, to change his cities, to change a nation. Do you know what our nation needs now? It's not just better politicians or politics or policies. What our nation needs right now is for, that the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached and proclaimed from every street corner in every life. We, we need the gospel to, to be, be shown to a world that is in desperately need of Jesus, amen? And, and that's what will be change and bring healing to our land. Can I get a better amen? And so if that's true, that the gospel is powerful, the, Bible's, the Bible shows us that the very thing that's gonna come under attack is the gospel, okay? There's gonna be people trying to twist the gospel and distort the gospel and, and create all these different versions of the gospel. And that's what the enemy has done. The enemy did that in Paul's day as we were, as we were looking at in the book of Galatians. He does that today. So you have kind of this today of this old school, I call it the old school, like stoic, religious gospel. You gotta do, do, do to make your way to heaven in order for God to love you. Better follow these rules in order for God to, to, um, to show favor to you. You got it right? And there's this do mentality. And then you have this generation that's responded to that and come over here and said, well, it's not about all that. It's just there's this, there's this, this love of God for all of us, no matter, that, that is accepting of every lifestyle. And no matter how you live and you do what you want to do and you just be how you want to be. And it comes all the way over here. But Paul comes in and he says, no, the gospel is a gospel of grace. And for you to understand the gospel of grace, you've got to understand that we are a people who cannot do this on our own. We are a people who, if we choose our own way, we choose to color outside the lines of, of truth, and, and that's called sin. There is issues, and this camp over here that wants to say there is no sin and there is no issue, the gospel of grace is, yes, there is. The good news of Jesus Christ is good news because it's placed on the backdrop of bad news. The bad news is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? But the gift of Christ, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Christ is eternal life. Amen? Amen? And so you, you can't throw yourself over here, and then you can't throw yourself over here and say, well, then I gotta work my way, work my way to heaven. No, no, no. The grace of, of God comes in with the, the gospel according to grace and says, what you need is a whole lot of Jesus. Amen? And that's what Paul is getting at. He's dealing with all of these Jews who are trying to pull people back to a religious gospel. And today what I'm going to show you is that Paul is uh, confronting Peter. Peter knew full well the gospel of grace, but he finds himself getting pulled away by some of his old buddies. How many got any, anyone got any old buddies? Come on, you got some old buddies? Well, we're going to talk about that today in a, in a message that we're going to look at on, on influence. Would you pray with me, God? As we look at your word right now, we pray that you'd help us to understand your word and that God, you'd anoint this time that by your spirit, Jesus, you would whisper to, your, to our hearts. We come in with a, with a level of expectation inside of our hearts. We're not here on accident. We're, we're here because God, there's something you wanna speak to us. And so God, we just ask that you'd anoint this time. Help us to hear from you and to leave here changed. God, I pray for anyone that does not yet know you, that in these moments right now, Jesus, they would have their eyes open and their life changed by the true, pure, gospel, good news of Jesus. And God, that those in here have not yet made the decision to get baptized, that today would be their day. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So the gospel of grace, Paul's preaching the gospel of grace. Peter understands the gospel of grace. 
the religious Jews of that time were coming in behind Paul. Paul would plant a church to preach grace. He'd preach Jesus only. And then these Judaizers would come in behind Paul and they'd go, well, listen, it's a little bit about Jesus, but it's also a lot of bit about what you gotta do. And so they started to add to Jesus some things you had to do in order to get Jesus to love you, God to love you, to make your way to heaven. And here's what it looked like for them. It was, it was circumcision. I mean, aren't you glad that they dealt with that back in the day? Like, we don't have to have that as part of our uh, Welcome to Citizens Church classes. You know, um, we won't even get into, anyway, so circumcision, they talked about the festivals and the feasts, and then, and then here's what they did too, is they added to the old Jewish law some, of the, some new laws to help them follow the law, and so they had laws upon laws upon laws, and one of those laws was that, that a Jew could not um, be around and be in the company of Gentiles. See, they, they considered Gentiles to be unclean, okay? Gentiles uh, were not set apart for the things of God, and and the Jews were meant to be set apart for the things of God. And so they took it to this crazy extreme. And they said, well, if we're going to be set apart, well, we can't spend time with them. We can't hang out with them. We, and all the while, God had intended for them to be set apart in order for them to share the love of God, in order to show them what it looks like to follow after God. And, but they messed it all up. And they had this whole thing about not hanging out with those people, right, the, the Gentiles, that God had actually called them, called them to love on. Well, Here's Peter. Peter is now submitted to and fully understands the gospel of grace, that the gospel of grace is not just for the Jew, it's also for the Gentile. But in the moment we're about to see, Peter starts to get around some of his old friends. And when he gets around his old friends, he begins to pull away from his new friends, the Gentiles. And Paul shows up and confronts him. And as he does, I think there's some things that we can learn when it comes to influence. Look with me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. Paul speaking, says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Come on, Paul, you're all, up, all upset. I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would be eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite. What they do, they played the, say it with me, hypocrite. They played the hypocrite with them. So even Barnabas was carried away with their what? Hypocrisy. They played the hypocrite. Barnabas is getting carried away with their, say it with me, hypocrisy. So Peter knows full well what the truth is, but he's struggling with this thing called hypocrisy. You know, I think typically when we hear the word hypocrisy, what we think of is we think of it in the context of people acting like they love God, but they really don't. That's how we typically think of it, okay, right? But the hypocrisy Peter is wrestling with here is, I believe, a hypocrisy that runs rampant in the church today. It's a hypocrisy that I think we deal with more than the other hypocrisy, okay? And it's the hypocrisy of this sort. You actually do love God. The Holy Spirit of God has actually gotten a hold of your heart. God is doing in something inside of you, and he's, he's wanting to mold you and shape you and change you and bring you further into the things of God. And he's gotten a hold of your heart, but you walk around acting like he hasn't. It's different than the hypocrisy you typically think of. 
You see, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus. And God, by his spirit, grabbed a hold of my heart and he started doing things inside me that I, can't, I couldn't even explain to you. My desires began to change. My appetite began to change. The things I used to do and get away with and felt okay with, I couldn't do without feeling a little conviction. Come on, you see what I'm saying? Like, like how come I can't do what I used to do? It's because God loves you. Now there's conviction inside of me. And I remember going back to school as a high school student. I went back to school to go hang out with the friends that I always hung out with at the same time in the same place at lunch. But something was very different. The Spirit of God got a hold of me. And now when I went to stand in that circle, they started talking about the same old stupid things that they talked about, doing the same old stupid things that they were doing. They, they you know, oh, check out that girl, and here's what we did on the weekend. And, and I found myself for the very first time standing there going, I did not realize how stupid this actually was. Are we really talking about that? And there's something inside me going, this isn't right. This isn't right. But you know what I did? I fashioned myself a mask. And I held it up and went, oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, I agree. Oh, my goodness. And what was I doing? The same thing Peter's doing. I was playing the hypocrite, friends. God's doing something inside of me, but I'm not being true to what God's doing inside me. I'm not living out what God's working in. And friends, often we find ourselves doing the very same thing that Peter's doing. He knows what's right, but he gets around certain people and pretends that he doesn't. Friends, I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than letting there be a, a, a genuine showing of who you really are. That on the outside is what is happening on the inside. That what's happening on the inside, I'm letting it work its way out to the outside. That when God grabs a hold of my heart and says, this is who you are, you don't forget who you are when you get to work. You don't forget who you are when you go to school. You don't forget who you are when you're standing in line at Starbucks or Target or wherever you go. Tatum goes to Target. I don't go to Target. But if you're at Target, do you follow what I'm saying? Because there's these pressures from the world that are going to try to push down the thing that God's trying to do in, you see? There's a fire inside of you. Come on, and you Christians know what I'm talking about. I'm talking, if, you, if you're a believer in here today, you know what I'm talking about. And the most powerful thing you can do in your life is just continue to continue to say yes to what God's doing inside of you. That word hypocrisy comes to us from, from the Greeks. It was, a, it was a stage actors. They would, they would create these masks and they would hide behind them, showing the world something different than they really are. And friends, I wonder how many of us are struggling like Peter today. We're, we're letting the world dictate to us what we look like when God has something more for us than we could ever think or imagine. But we keep dampening it because we're afraid of what people might think. We're dampening it because we're afraid what they're going to say at the workplace or what they're going to say at school or what they're going to say in my spheres of influence that I find myself walking in. And here's what I want to show you in the rest of our time today in, in God's word. Is how, how do we keep ourselves from playing the hypocrite? Because you see, the, the, the best place I can be is, and the best thing I can do is just be who God's making me to be. Amen? Be true to what he's doing inside of me. No matter where I am. I'm just, I am who I am, and I'm somebody who's being changed by God. I'm somebody who actually loves Jesus. I'm, I'm somebody who actually, hey, I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm somebody who's, who's going for it into all that God has. And I'm not going to let the world dictate to me. Matter of fact, I'm going to be who God's making me to be. And if you don't like it, you go stand somewhere else, right? 
because I'm that dedicated to what God is doing inside. I'm just gonna keep saying yes to what the Spirit of God is doing inside of me. How do we keep ourselves in a place where we don't play the hypocrite? Let me give you a couple things that we can learn from Peter. The first thing is this, is that we need to, write this down, filter their influence. Who's there? Oh, you know them. You know who I'm talking about already, and I haven't even gotten into this point. You've got certain people, influences in your life that you need to filter. You filter your influence. Peter was pulled away by their influence. Whose influence? The influence of people who were not pushing him toward God. The influence of people who were not pushing him toward what he knew what was right. It was the influence of people who were pulling him. You see, what shapes you more than anything else is the people you let around you. Some of you got some people in your life that you need to get out of your life. I'm talking about putting up some boundaries. When you get people in your life, they're gonna do one or two things. Either they're gonna pour fuel on what the Spirit of God is trying to do on, inside of you, or they're gonna dampen what the Spirit of God is doing inside of you. They're either gonna push you toward Jesus and, and all the path that God would have you to walk, or they're gonna pull you from Jesus. And right now, every friendship you have is doing one of those two things. And we need to learn, Peter needed to learn to filter your influence. Before I let somebody in, I need to say, what are they going to do? Are they gonna push me further? Are they gonna pull me away? Some of us are in a mess right now because we got people in our life that we need to get out of our life. We're also in a mess sometimes because we got people out of our life that we need to invite into our life. Your friendships matter. Matter of fact, there's nothing more there's nothing that can predict your future more than the friends that you find yourself around today. You will become like your five closest friends. Some of you are like, oh, shoot, right? Like, I need some new friends. I could tell you the trajectory of your life. If you, if you, you mean, just show me your, just show me your, uh, your phone and who's on your, you know, your top list, right? Who you hanging with? I could tell you where it's going to take you. Friendships have so much influence on us. And so we need to pay attention. You know, some of the worst things I've done in my life is because of the people I had let into my life. Come on. Some of the best things I've done in life is because of the people I've let into my life. Who have you let into your life? You know, the prayer for my, my children is that they would walk with Jesus, that they'd be leaders in their, in their generation, that they, would, that they would change the shape of, of their generation. It's one of my biggest prayers for them. They just walk with God. You know, my second biggest prayer is that God would put them around others who are doing the very same thing, right? Because I know that the power, the, the power of friendship, I know the power of influence. And guys, we need to pay attention to that. Some of you are struggling today because you've got the wrong people in and you've got the right people out. You know, that's why I always talk about small groups. There he goes again. We're gonna be starting a new season of C groups in the, in the fall. Some of you need to be leading a small group. Some of you need to, for, for the very first time, find yourself and get into a small group and find some friends who are gonna say yes to the things that God's doing inside of you. It'll pour fuel on that thing. It'll give you the boldness you need when you show up into environments that are trying to douse it. You don't need those environments. You got the, you got the environment that's pouring fuel on you. You don't need that one to influence you because I'm being influenced by a group of people who love me enough to push me toward the things of Jesus. Amen? How many of you love your small group in here? You got a small group that you love? Come on. Just good people. They're going to push you toward God. Can I talk to you about something else real quick? 
You need to pay attention to your friendships, even in the church. Peter's at church. This is a church issue. And sometimes we let, even in the church, other people begin to regulate what God is doing inside of us. God's doing something special inside of you, but you get around some mediocrity. You get around somebody who's walking a mediocre Christian life, and that can begin to bring you into a, a mediocre Christian life because instead of them wanting to run full into everything that God wants, they kind of just half throttle it. You know what I'm talking about? And so even in the church, you gotta pay attention. You need people that are gonna say yes to everything that God has. I'm gonna hit on a, I'm gonna hit on a, a loving pet peeve of mine really quick. Even in worship, you know what the Bible tells us in these moments? I realize that worship is more than just a, a moment, a song. It's a movement of our life. But when we come into a place like this and we worship, let's worship. You know that the Bible says that the way we are to come before God's presence is to engage in worship, to go all in during our worship. And I realize that on Sunday we're moving through these moments and we have these moments, but then we got like our bold nights where we're going and we're pursuing the face of Jesus. We're leaning in. We're opening our lives to the Spirit of God and we're just going all in. Do you know there's a posture that we're to bring into these moments? The Bible says this in Psalm 98.4. It says, shout to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. It's to sing unto him a new song and play skillfully with a loud noise. Why is it so loud at citizens? Because it's biblical. God says we're to be loud. Why? What is that? There's this unhindered passion and shout. There's this, there's this uninhabited. David danced before the Lord. There's this kind of, I'm just going to go for it when I get into God's presence, right? And here's scripture calling you, just enter his courts, the Bible says, with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. It goes on to Psalm 95, 1. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Lift up your hands, it says in Psalm 134, verse 2, in the sanctuary, and praise the Lord. You see, it's God calling you. This is how you move into my presence, just praising the Lord. And here's what we do sometimes. Not everybody. I'm talking about somebody else, right? We walk in, and we look around. And we set our level of passion, we set our level of leaning in based on what maybe environment we find ourselves that we walked into. And we find ourselves looking around. And what God is calling us to do, because if you, if you can't learn it here, listen, this needs to be an environment that pushes you up. We learn it here so that we can go live it everywhere. Is that when we come here, we're not looking around, we're looking up. And if anyone dare comes in and looks around, what they're going to see is a bunch of people who are just looking up. We're caught up. We're moving in. We're pressing in. Come on, church, amen. And we, we say, I'm not going to let, even within the church, the sleepiness of others put me to sleep. Man, I'm going for it. I tell my kids, I'm t I, I you watch. You watch my kiddos and my family. I say, we're going to lead from the front row. I tell the whole staff, we lead from the front row. What's that mean? We're going to go all in with all we got. The worship team gets up here. What are they doing? They're going all in. Church, we go all in with all we got in the moments God gives us in worship. Amen? And listen, that decision needs to be brought into all your decisions. Because it's not just in worship, friends. We find ourselves looking around when it comes to our own spirituality and our convictions and, and friends, uh, our own spirituality. 
in, in convictions, we start basing on the actions of others. This isn't about what others are doing. It's, it's about what, what Jesus is calling you to. And you need to get people around you, come on, that are saying yes to what Jesus is doing inside of you. Yes to just all out, all in, walk with Jesus, be sensitive to his spirit. You need those people in your life. So you need to regulate, regulate your influences, okay? Set some boundaries around your life. And if somebody's not pushing you closer to the Lord, friends, you set some boundaries. Get some people that are, that are on fire for the, I'm gonna be friends with them. I got friends all over the nation with people who are just going for it. Like, love God, let's go. And I've, I am like, I'm gonna be your friend. And we're gonna be, and we're gonna text. I'm gonna, I just wanna get around some people who are on fire. They could put a little heat inside of me and I could put a little heat inside of them. Come on, amen. And it would just burn and run. We gotta regulate our influence. Can I give you another one? Guard your influence. Guard your influence. Because not only are you influenced, you also influence. Do you know that every time you enter an atmosphere, you're bringing something to that atmosphere? What are you bringing to that atmosphere? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16, it tells us that I, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before everybody, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? We, goes on to say, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even when we believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Peter's saying to him, Paul's saying to Peter, he's going, Peter, listen, you know that this isn't right. You know that we're justified by grace. You know that we're justified by what Jesus has done. Why are you pretending that it's otherwise? And in doing so, did you notice what he said? You're influencing the others. You're going back to that, go back to the verse before this. He says, you're compelling the Gentiles. Your actions right now are compelling the actions of others. And friends, it's the same with you. You bring influence, you compel environments. Your presence compels people around you. What are you compelling people toward? Paul's calling Peter out. He's holding him accountable. Do you know that God holds us accountable to how we compel the environments that we step into to persuade the people that we get around? Every time I enter a room, I bring that influence. The question is this, what are you bringing into the room? What's the fragrance you're bringing? And I'm not talking about whether you showered or not. I'm talking about what fragrance are you bringing? When you leave a room, was the room pushed further toward the Lord? Were people encouraged? You're going to do one or two things with your influence, friends. When you get into an environment, you're either going to pull down the environment, deflate the environment, or you're going to lift up the environment. You're going to turn up the fervency. You're going to, you're going to turn up the, the passion. Or you're going to pull it down and rob it. You're doing this every time you, you, enter, you enter a room. And you need to think about what you're bringing. What are you bringing into the room when you come home? What are you bringing to your children? What are they seeing in you? What are they feeling from you? 
Are you with your life giving them momentum? Are you with your life robbing them of momentum? Do you know the things you say, the things you do are going to do one of those two things in the life of your children? If you continue to tell your kids, like, you're just, you're being stupid and I I can't believe yourself, they're going to grow up believing that. But if you say, hey, you might be acting a little bit like this, but that's not you. God's got more for you, and I see this inside of you, and you're actually a great leader. And and Tate and I talk to our kids like this all the time. Ask them. We tell them all the time. You guys are leaders in your generation. You're going to set the pace. You you, you don't bow to the things that the world's bowing to. You're, You're marked, right, and you speak life over them. We pray for them out loud, these audacious prayers over their life. And they walk around with tons of confidence. So you've been around our kids, they got a lot of confidence. Sometimes when they got too much confidence. Listen, that's intentional. I'm going to speak it over you. And when, when I walk into an environment, I want, I want my kids, my family to walk away going, we got this. We got this. Dad's behind us. Mom's behind us. Hey, right? What are you bringing when you, when, you walk, when you come into the house? It's not time to pout because we had a bad day at work. It's, not time. it's time to realize that the influence that I bring home here actually matters more than, any, more, more than I can imagine. What are you bringing when you head home? What is the influence you're bringing? Think about, you're bringing influence with you to work. What's the influence you're bringing to work? What do they say about you? What is, it you're, what is it you're bringing to the table? Here's what happens. God is doing inside you something special by his Holy Spirit. If you show up to work and you mask what it is God's trying to do, you play the hypocrite, you pretend that God's not doing something inside of you when he's doing actually radical things inside of you, what you are doing is actually robbing that table, robbing your children, robbing those environments of the things that God wants to do inside those environments. Because just maybe what God's doing inside of you isn't just for you, he's doing stuff inside of you because it's for the guy sitting at that table that day. It's for those kids that are out work. It's for your wife. It's for your husband. It's for your city. And here you are sitting on it and capping it because you're afraid of what they might think. But friends, God put that inside of you so that you would change the environment. He calls you to. So you see, I got to guard that. I take that responsibility and, and I run with it. I don't take it lightly. I mean, this world, we we will see revival in our city, and we will see revival in California. I'm not moving away. I'm not going to Texas and Nashville and whatever else everyone's Like, we're believing God to bring revival to the city. How's it going to happen when we plant ourselves in the city, we plant ourselves in the state, and we just let our light so shine before the world that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven? Amen? We just take the veil off. He says, don't light a lamp and put it under a bush. You're hiding it. You know what that is? It's hypocrisy. You pretending to be something that you're not. You're a light. Don't pretend to be anything else. Amen? I have to guard the influence that God gave me. You are the salt. You are the light. In other words, if not you, then who? Like God's not going to just peel back the clouds in heaven and go, hey, everybody, What he's going to do is, by his spirit, do a work in you. And by his spirit, do a work in you. And as you keep saying yes to what the spirit of God is doing inside of you, he then is going to work through you in the atmospheres he brings you to. And revival begins to take place through you and me. I am the light of the world. The spirit of God is working through me. I am a city on a hill. I, right, am the salt of the earth. He says that about the church. As we reflect him. Can I get a better amen? So we guard 
We guard our influence. Peter was not guarding his influence. He was pulled away, friends. And here's the last one, is we live under Christ's influence. Live under Christ's influence. I filter. Peter needed a filter. I guard what God gave me. I, I use it. And then I live under Christ's influence. And what does that mean? What does that look like? It goes on to tell us this in 2 Peter 17, 18. It says, if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, if we ourselves are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Let me explain this to you. Paul's saying to Peter, he's going, Peter, listen. If you're being justified by the grace of Jesus, and these guys over here are saying to you that you're a sinner, is Jesus therefore a minister of sin? Does he, is he therefore the one leading you to sin? The answer is absolutely not. Jesus is not a minister of sin, right? So Paul says, certainly not. For if I build again the things which I destroy, then I make myself a transgressor. In other words, if I try to build the things that I destroyed, in other words, the law of Christ, the me working my way to heaven, me earning my way to heaven, and, you know, I've got to, you know, follow this and that. I got to, you know, got to work my way to heaven. If I build that again, he says, that's sin. That's sin. Do you know, anytime you do anything to try to earn more of the love of God, anytime you do anything to try to get yourself into, into heaven or try to, try to get that faith, and you're just saying, I'm going to do more to earn the love of God. Do you know what the Bible calls it? A dead work. And it says of dead works that they need to be repented of. Because what you're trying to do is earn something that God has already made readily available to you. You're trying to accomplish something that Jesus has said is already is finished. And if you try to earn more of the love of God, what you're saying is that the cross was not enough. What you're saying, is, and you're trying to earn salvation, that what Jesus did for us was not enough. And I've got to do it in and of myself. I've got to do it in and of myself. Friends, you cannot be more loved by God than you are right now because you are perfectly loved by God. You can never be more accepted by God than you are right now because you're perfectly accepted by God. And your job is not to work for it. Your job is to rest in it. And so he says, Peter, please stop. The sin is when you actually try to earn something you can never earn. Okay? So what do we do? What is our proper response? As we live under this grace and this influence of Jesus. He goes on to say, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. I will not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. He's saying, if there was any other way to be loved by God, if there was any other way to be made right or to earn our way to heaven, then Jesus didn't need to die. If there's any other way, then the death of Jesus was actually in vain. You see... The death of Jesus on that cross is an indictment against me trying to earn my way to heaven. Jesus dying on that cross declares to me, I can't do it on my own. 
You follow? Because if I could, he didn't need to die. If I believe that, follow this. If I believe that, what's my response to that? Did you catch it? What Paul say? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Paul, what are you saying? Paul's saying in response to the grace of Jesus, in response to the work that he's done for me on the cross, and in response to this beautiful gospel, I'm going to crucify my self-reliance. I'm going to crucify my self-confidence. I'm going to crucify my self-exaltation. I'm going to, I'm going to die to, to, to my selfish nature that keeps trying to do this on my own. I'm going to die to all of this, this vain work and repetition. I'm going to find myself resting in him. I'm done, Paul says, trying to do this on my own. I'm dying to my selfish ambition. Some of you come in here today and you're trying to do this on your own. There's a cross that stands in the timeline of humanity that says you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus. And your response to that cross is Paul's response to that Christ, cross. It's okay. I'm gonna die to myself. Another, another word for it is this. I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna yield my life to him. I'm gonna surrender my pride, my self-reliance, my self-righteousness. And when I surrender all those things, I surrender the, the old me, my flesh, you know what your flesh is? Your flesh is the you before God got a hold of you, 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 you die. Do you remember that guy? The you before God got a hold of you? You, you die to that old you. And what he says happens is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Why? Because I've died to all the me. I've died to all the self trying to do this on my own. And if I've, I've, if I've slain all those things in my life, what remains is Christ. What remains is Jesus. And now everything in my life is grace. Everything in my life is Jesus. I, I, I love Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I do all I do for Jesus. I, I run everything in my life by Jesus. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm just on love Jesus. And my life is moved in the movement of Jesus because it's no longer I who live. I wake up every moment in every situation. I just say, yes, Jesus. Like before you ask the question, I'm all in. I just want to say yes to all that you have for me, I will not set aside the grace of God. It's a grace that's rescued me, a grace that redeems me. Come on, a grace that strengthens me, a grace that enables me, a grace that changes me, a grace that allows me to live. And this is what some of you need right now, allows you to live a new life. Come on, you've been out there trying life on your own. I'm doing it on my own. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to put these things together. And it's frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. You gain the whole world and still there's an emptiness in your soul. Because you're trying to do this on your own. What you need is not just an altered life and a, 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 a you know, like software upgrade. What you need is a brand new life. One that has died to the old. And now in Jesus has come alive. Amen. You say yes to the grace. Say yes to what he's done. When I gave my life to Jesus, gosh, 30 almost years ago, I was an old guy. I feel like it. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was saying, 
no to my self and my thoughts on what this should look like, and I'm saying yes to everything I am. Do you know when I woke up this morning, I did the same thing. I said yes to the grace of God. There's some of you in here that need to say yes to him for the very first time. You're gonna have a chance to do that today as we move into baptisms. To let the grace of God, listen, give you a new life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, like a brand new life. The Bible says, in him old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'm telling you, he starts a work in you. The Bible says it's a, it's a work that he will bring to completion inside of your heart as you keep saying yes to it. Let him do that work in you. Just yield to it today. Listen, we're gonna move into a baptism. We're gonna celebrate with some people who've said yes to the grace of God in their life and they're following Jesus with their life into the waters of, of, of baptism. And so we have a couple stories we wanna share of somebody who's been baptized, somebody who's about to get baptized, if you turn your attention to the screen. Before I got baptized, things weren't the best. You know, I was an angry kid growing up, especially without a dad, there was no guidance in my life. And not growing up in the best area didn't make it any better. I dealt with hopelessness a lot especially during my, my high school years. So I've always grown up going to church and learning about Jesus, but it wasn't until right after I finished high school and I went to boot camp for the Navy, but ended up getting injured the week before graduation and being discharged and sent home, which eventually ended up being a blessing in disguise because it gave me the last couple months with my grandma before she passed away. But it was definitely a hard time trying to figure out what my next steps in life were. You know, I remember one time as a, as a freshman, I asked my teacher for help on an assignment we were working on. And he told me no. And then as I, I asked him why, he told me that, you know, I wasn't worth this time, that I was just gonna end up dead or in prison anyway. It was then that I decided I wanted to grow my relationship and the way I was walking through Christ and. So that got me doing more Bible studies and diving more into the Bible and learning more about what his word means and wanting to get more involved with the church and the church setting. And I dealt with depression and a lot of things growing up, not knowing my purpose in life. But something that changed that was just a simple invitation to church. And that invitation came from my sister. It was about a couple months. And you know, that's when baptisms came up. I fought this the senseless urge to do it. And that's when I leaned in. I took that, that step and I got baptized. And as I went into that water and came back up, I remember scriptures running through my mind. And I never really got into the Bible all that much. And so I learned about Citizens and went, but unfortunately right after I, I went for my first service at Citizens, lockdown happened because of COVID, so it was very, um, eye-opening and kind of a setback for me because I wasn't able to get more involved like I was planning to. You know, it felt like just something supernatural, like God is there. It is just, oh, I'm gonna go dip myself in this water and come back out and everybody's gonna be laughing now. Like, I felt, you know, disattachment from the hopelessness I was feeling, the anger that was in me. You know, I'm feeling that purpose. It was like I, I had nothing to worry about at that time. 
and that's when I saw a post about Citizens Internship for the summer, and so I signed up for that, and it's just been, um, they instantly pulled me in and started treating me like a family, and through that I've gotten to volunteer and get more involved with the church in different aspects, such as set up and tear down, and recently with helping out with the kids on Sundays. I can't tell you that after getting baptized, it was like a supernatural feeling, this, this connection with God just, it got stronger. I felt him more. I felt him even in the times that I felt he wasn't there. I knew he was working in it. And just through the spiritual formation training with John, we've really dove into like what our per God's purpose with through us is. And it's given me an eye-opening and with working with kids, how he can use me to spread his word and reach the hearts of the younger generation. And throughout this time, because this was three years ago, it wasn't too long ago when I seen this internship come up. I really did not know what to expect. But what I can say is that ever since I have got into it, I've learned so much. Not only that, with the stuff that I've learned, being a youth leader, I'm able to use what I've learned to help these kids. And that's when I saw they were doing baptize again, and I knew I wanted to be rebaptized because I was baptized when I was younger. And I knew it was something important as a Christian to do, but now I have a deeper and more personal understanding of what it means to be baptized. It feels so good to be able to help out with these kids, to use my testimony, to use my wisdom to help others. But I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't take that leap of faith. You know, it, it feels so good just being able to get into the Word of God, to learn more of the Word of God. And then you mix that with some leadership skills, the way it's been able to transform me within this short amount of times, it's a great feeling. My name is Sam and I'm all in.